Hello and welcome to another episode of the Producers Podcast. I'm Ty Fuji and I'm joined by... John Simmer, man. It's nice yeah. to see you again, Ty. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been, yeah. been forever. We just, we just don't cross paths very much. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, You're usually kind of later at night and I'm super early in the morning, so... Yeah, but I've been I've been bounced around the the station lately the past uh-huh. week. You know, K- KJ's been out getting married. Good for him. Yeah. And then, and uh, yeah, I've I've been in in the afternoons now. Nice. We, we can actually yeah. kind of see each other. Yeah, filling in for the drive. That's always nice. But such is life of a, uh, you know, when you're kind of that part time weekend role or whatever. Yeah. You're just kind of bouncing around. You just kind of varies from a week to week, um, or weekend to weekend. So. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the past week has been very, very eventful. I'm sure for for both of us. Uh, last week, we're we're just eight days removed from the the, uh, the Nuggets finally winning their very first championship. Yeah, first ever. What was what was that night like uh, like for you? Um, it was pretty nuts. So I just kind of I watched actually a lot of the playoff games with a bunch of friends. Um, but that night specifically, I just kind of watched it by myself. And I'm not like a diehard Nuggets fan by any means. Um. Kind of same with the Avalanche. I'm more like, I've always kind of described it as fair weather. I'll pay, like, attention, but, you know, I'm not watching every single game throughout the regular season. Obviously watching every game of a playoff run. Um, But it is pretty surreal, man. I know, you know, I feel like for a lot of people, especially, like, even Raw, Sharon, our our program director. Right. um, The vibe was kind of like they didn't, you know, like these, we always use the term long suffering Nuggets fans. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the vibe from them was always kind of like they didn't enjoy the run until it was over because they were just so nervous. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was right there. Were you were that kind of fan? Yeah. I, I, I was winning with bated breath. Like I was waiting for the, the other shoe to drop. Right. All, all something, throughout. some, whether it was like, you know, knock on wood, but like a sprained ankle to, you know, like Aaron Gordon or something, or just like a complete collapse yeah, I mean, in some as, sort of series. As soon as I saw that 3-1 series record in the final, uh-huh. I, I mean, I started panicking. Like, oh, God. Yeah, like, it, we're going to be the uh, next Golden uh, State. going to be the next, yeah. Yeah. And so, for me, it was I was kind of like that with the Avalanche last year, more because I think the expectation was, it was almost like Stanley Cup or bust, where... With this Nuggets team, a lot of us did have that kind of narrative, especially on the shows. It needed to be like a Western Conference Finals appearance or a Finals appearance. Um, I was kind of more in the camp of a Western Conference Finals appearance and then see kind of have the context added on of how how they performed in the Western Conference Finals, and then you can kind of judge after the season whether it was a success or not. So I enjoyed this run a lot more um, because it kind of felt like just from my point of view as a fan, it was more you're kind of playing with house money in a way. And it was just like watching the Nuggets play too. You just kind of went in my, you know, uh, just how I viewed every series. It was just that the Nuggets were so much better than both team, like any team we played. Yeah. And basketball is such a more like fluid sport. Right. As opposed to hockey, where like it feels like every goal in hockey is just like super grimy. You got to like really work for every goal. Yeah. Like every every goal in hockey seems like seismic. Like, yeah, sport. exactly. And there's just so much like it just seems like you're on a wave of emotion far more on like every shift of hockey than you are on uh, you know every quarter, every five minutes of an NBA playoff game. And there were a lot more injuries with um, with uh, the Avs as well. 
with you know all the Kadri stuff, him getting his broken hand and things of that nature, than with the Nuggets. So I found myself enjoying this run a lot more than last year's. Um, you were right. obviously the opposite from what it sounds like. Um, but I will say from a producer's standpoint, I like just making um, like pre-show production and stuff is so much easier for the NHL than it is NBA because, you right. know, we it's easy to go and like you find goals and you might find like, you know, you might make a note um, to yourself like, okay, this, you know, in hindsight of the game, this um, – this like a uh, power play led to like a turning point in the game or something like that. And you can kind of tell the story more in like a highlight package or something like that. Um, when it comes to um, creating like, you know, some sort of like, I guess theatrical or cinematic, you know, highlight right. reel, whereas basketball, it's so much harder to do. Right. Um, there's, there's, and like piece so it all together. There's yeah, so much abundance all exactly. Together, Keep it. it with football and hockey. It's there's so much scarcity. You know exactly what is the big play. Yeah. It's more by like a play by play kind of thing where you can splice it all together and make it sound good. Um, so that was like that's like the one nitpick I guess I have when it comes to um, kind of like NBA playoff action. But, uh, you know, I think. I liked both runs, but again, I think NBA was more fun, um, right. just going through the ride. But NHL is like NHL playoff hockey, man. When your team is like playing like the Azure last yeah. year too, it's, there's nothing like it. Yeah, and, and, and to, to your point, I, I I really did enjoy this this run over the Avs run because for the Avs it was a different feeling. For for the Avs it was relief. You know, yeah, they, they've been out of the playoffs, they've been knocked out. They were the favorites for so many years in a row, right. and they. And now they finally got over the hump, right? And it, it was great. It was awesome that they were so so dominant. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it, it was a really special run because of that dominance. Because we finally got to see them uh, finally live up to their potential, right? Right. But for the Nuggets, it was you know the, the first one is always special, right? It, the, the first one, like the that the Broncos finally get, winning in Super Bowl thirty two. Right. It's it's that relief. It's that vindication of. A long-suffering franchise, a long-suffering team and fan base finally getting theirs, finally getting their time in the sun, and finally getting to celebrate the re- reaching the mountaintop, right? Right. Well, we were alive for Super Bowl thirty-two, but I don't remember it. Was Super yeah, Bowl thirty-two was 97, yeah. I think. That was the ninety-seven season going yeah. to ninety-eight. I was, I was, I, I was, I was uh, five years old. You I, know, I, like I was I don't eighteen months. That. Yeah. So I was, I was barely um, even able to remember that. I remember. The I remember one play from Super Bowl thirty three against the Falcons, and I and it might even just be a figment of my imagination. I haven't watched any of that game as an adult, but right. I just remember very vividly John Elway doing like a one or two yard QB sneak into the end zone. Don't know if it was a two point conversion, probably wasn't because it was so close to the goal line, or it was like a garbage time touchdown. I think I think that was. I could be, Actually, and I said I could be making think, that up in my that. mind. But I'll think about that. He'll tell you all about it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I have. I should bring it up to him. I haven't, but um, that's like the only part of like the Elway football days I I remember because um, I was again I was just so young. I've watched Super Bowl 32 because the whole thing's on YouTube. Yeah. So I have watched it a couple times on YouTube. Um, but yeah, so like you know, for people like you or you or me, outside of like the Rockies 07 run. We haven't seen, you know, that potential for a first cut for like a first championship 
obviously same thing with the uh, with um the Avalanche yeah. is what that was ninety six so that was the year before um before the Broncos first Super Bowl so Actually, that's the same yeah. situation they clinched their first title literally the day I was born really yeah the, the Avalanche yeah I nice. I could not have possibly seen them win the the Stanley Cup yeah and I I remember the two thousand one Cup um. Not super super vividly, but I I just like remember yeah we, like the hype and stuff yeah. around it. Just the the Ray Bork. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and like just trying to like think back to those days, and maybe it's just because I was a younger kid, and then around there, so I was like nine or ten around that age. Um, so I can remember it a little more, and I almost want to say the vibe around the city. That was probably maybe the most electric that I can remember. I wasn't here for 2015 uh, when the Broncos won their last Super Bowl. I was in Georgia at the time, so can't speak about the city then, but I'm sure it was just, like, nuts. But I feel like the Avs 01 was, like, super crazy. And, again, I could be, like, just emphasizing it more because I was a little kid and everything's, like, way more awesome when you're that age. And it's not just a hell of a drug. Yeah. um, But uh, this Nuggets run, too, I would say – this Nuggets run, just like the whole vibe and feel of the city was a little more than it was for the Avs run. Right. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. The Avs was still like super hype, but mm-hmm. this Nuggets run was just like, again, there was just, it just seemed like there were so many more hardcore and like casual Nugget fans right. that were just like all in on this run than last year. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that is, I think I think the national conversation too adds that. Like that's true. A, a, a for lot sure. of the people just bagging on bagging on on Jokic, Jokic. and the Nuggets and yeah. really just bagging on them because since they're sort of a medium market, right? They're not sure, one of the big sure. top markets, and it's it felt more like an insult to the city itself too. Yeah, right? I I, I like, think you nailed that actually. Yeah. Right, it's not one of the big glamorous like. It's a flyover. Cities. Yeah, flyover yeah. city is what they always. And I think yeah, I think that's. Is, which is kind of funny since DIA is the third most, uh, the third busiest airport in the world. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yeah, I think that's a good point. And you know, it's not like, you know, two years ago it was like McKinnon is clearly the Hart Trophy winner, and right. we got like national media being like, no, McDavid is the best, and all this and that. So we didn't feel vindicated as a city to like step behind, you know, like we did with Jokic, um, especially with the way that the MVP was tarnished. And so I think that's that is a really good point, and also. It's just like another kind of indictment on how bad the NHL is at marketing their sport, you know, and it's like because you don't get it's like I can only think of the one time where it was even close to kind of the conversation around the the Nuggets and Jokic um, was like when we were playing Edmonton. And we had Wayne Gretzky, like, clearly being a homer for the Oilers, which is to be expected, but he was also like fanboying over McDavid a little too much. So that's, like, the only thing I can kind of think of. But, yeah, you don't have, like – it's not like Kendrick Perkins is, like, someone that I go and rely on, like, my media coverage for. Yeah, he's not gospel. Yeah, he's He's, he's a talking head. He is – he's a bad one at that. He is an idiot with a lot of his takes just outside of the Jokic stuff. But you just don't have those people for the NHL where you can kind of, like, go to and even get some sort of, like – whether it be a big yeah. name or someone who you can like go to for, you know, some sort of like outside 
like insider knowledge as an outsider you can go to as for like some really like generally good knowledge there's not really that kind yeah, of talking head for yeah, like for the you, NHL you gotta be in the know like yeah. you, you got to know who Elliot Friedman is right right exactly or you like, know you, even you gotta, like a Mark Messier yeah, I'm you, sure you know the or, name but yeah, you, or, or you can't Henry. put the face to some you can't like just look at the TV on oh look Mark Messier is talking about the abs yeah a lot of people probably don't know that yeah, I mean like a few a few years back I I didn't even know what that uh, what Conor McDavid looked like. Really, I, I could not. Yeah, I could not recall his face. Yeah. from memory, because and and that's just an indictment on the NHL's marketing. Yeah, yeah, and, for and, sure. And really, it, it's it's kind of the opposite problem of the NBA's. Right, like the NBA, they overmarket their stars. They overmarket their big names. For sure. And, and they, you just stick to that. They're and they're so afraid to step outside of their comfort zone, then that they'll just flatly reject a huge story, a huge interesting team. When it's presented to them on a golden platter, right? Well, I guess. I guess then it kind of becomes a conversational issue of like you say, like a big important story, but what is then like the idea of what is big, what is important, right? Becomes relative to are you like a head person at ESPN or are you a major fan of the Nuggets? Because that major right. person at ESPN will look at a LeBron James story in ratings against a Nuggets story. And even though the Nuggets just swept the Lakers, the next the next conversation piece, unfortunately, will be more important to the ESPN figureheads. Is LeBron James actually going to retire? Right. Or what's the next step for the Lakers? That's going to still pull in more ratings than talking about how good and uh, relevant the Nuggets and Jokic are. Because that just doesn't pull the same rating as an LA market does from a national standpoint, and and not to mention LeBron's the established brand, right? Right. The Lakers so. are the, uh, the the pre-sold franchise, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you know from that viewpoint, a lot of us, you know, specifically at this station and in, in like the Denver media market, can understand why those conversations were happening. But I think it was more that extra added layer as well of even though that they were like starting to like it was coming into focus that they're going to have to talk about the Nuggets. Right. It was more being reflected that not only did they not want to talk about the Nuggets, they didn't even watch the Nuggets as like a possible preparation to this point. And so they were just doing anything they could to not talk about the Nuggets because they didn't know anything about the Nuggets. Yeah. And I think that's what really, that right you know, started to really upset, you know, people who do this for a living, but also is just an added, like, extra layer or two for your casual fan to kind of feel vindicated of hating the national media and those who, um, the vast majority of the national media, I guess I should say, who, you know, weren't willing to uh, give the Nuggets their flowers, quote-unquote, right. but it's because they couldn't. Because they just yeah. didn't know anything about this team, right? But speaking of giving the Nuggets their flowers, Jokic went on an absolutely historic run. He mm. is, the, is the first player ever, not the first since Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell or, right. or what have you, to act, to lead every single player and to lead the entire playoff field in points, assists, and rebounds. Oh. Like, is this the greatest run in in NBA playoff, playoff history? Or Stati- I mean, that? like you just said, statistically, it is. Like, you know, right. and I, it's just the way that he, again, it's, and so I think it's super interesting when we talk about Jokic because 
remember like a couple years ago, and this is when, as like we saw potential in Jokic. Um, so this is probably 2018. It was basically when like the towards the back end of um, the Warriors dynastic run, and they had those couple years with KD. The right. whole narrative was the like the era of the big man is like going away. It's yeah, small all small ball. ball and like the big traditional like shacks or your seven foot centers are going to be a thing of the past. That was kind of like the narrative coming in. Then you have Jokic come in and not only did he like revive the big man along with players like Embiid. Um, I don't even Giannis is just like such a freak of nature. You can't yeah. really consider him like he's your traditional seven footer. Yeah. He's, He's just this crazy athletic anomaly within right. the sport. Um, but players like that um, came and just like revive, like revitalized the center position. But then Jokic put its own like spin on it. He's something that, and I think a lot of people are starting to come to this conclusion as well. Is like he's you can't really make a comparison to him because he's the yeah. first of his kind. He's he's revolutionizing. Um, what it is to be, you know, a point center like that's yeah, never been been a thing before. Yeah, like he's. Well, how I like to think of Jokic, he's Shaq who can pass, he's Shaq who can shoot. Right, right. because yeah. he he can dominate. He can find his way into the paint and he can power people down. But the thing is, is he can find a way around it. If if guys want to uh, collapse the paint and. Uh, D- double triple him, right? He'll he'll just find you know, a way to get around it. And I like, think that's probably what's the biggest piece of his game because you know you'll watch, you know we were covering it like all these podcasts. You know Tracy McGrady, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Draymond Green, JJ Redick, Steve Kerr, JJ, just all these yeah. like people who Jason Will, Jay Will, you know who hops on the drive like these dudes who live basketball, right? And are in the culture of basketball. They're great. The greatest thing that Jokic has is his intelligence, his basketball IQ. Mm-hmm. They say he's and Aaron Gordon saying he's a savant. You know, he's a yeah. maestro. He, he's the Peyton Manning of the NBA. Yeah, exactly. And so, let me ask you this: So, if you were to, like, if I, if you were able to go into a lab, right, and you, I said you can build your most ideal NBA player, you would start off and like literally just like you can take, you know, you know, you see those like pictures. Yeah, it's like. Uh, Peyton Manning's brain, uh, Tom Brady's um, like winning mentality, yeah, Joe big, Montana's arm. Yeah, Big Ben's yeah, body. Exactly. So if you could do that for an NBA player, you'd want someone who's seven feet, Yeah, has the passing ability of magic, right? has the post play of Dirk, right? can dominate in the paint like Shaq, or has the touch like Hakeem. Or mm-hmm. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has the range or shooting ability of Steph Curry, right? Minus a little bit of hyperbole, who would you just build? Ideally, that's basically Nikola Jokic. Yeah, right. And so that's just the. Again, it's like that. That's he's just redefining the game, um, to a level that I don't think a lot of. Well, I think now a lot of people are, you know coming on to it and I just but it's just kind of developing before our eyes like we're seeing that just like general generational type player that's just kind of redefining a position that was once thought dead just you know a handful of years ago and um is something that 
you know, I think it was Colin Coward that even said it. Like, you're going to see Jokic kind of impact the way that Steph did in the way of like, okay, now teams are going to try to find their next Jokic. Yeah. You're going to see all these teams signing centers to like these lofty contracts, expecting them to try to do what Jokic is doing. Right. When in real, and much like what Steph did with a bunch of these guards, you know, he used Trey Young as an example. Trey Young's probably the greatest example of like the Steph Curry syndrome is like, oh, yeah, he's this small little guard who can shoot from 30 feet and just drain everything. Right. And then you hope that like his ball handling and inside game kind of develops. Whereas like you can't really do that because there's only one Steph, there's only one Jokic. Yeah. And there's, yeah, and I think that also comes down to his 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 mindset, his mentality. Yeah. Like Jokic is the anti-star. He he does he hates the intention. Know, he yeah. he hates the spotlight. Yeah. He hates getting flowers. He hates being praised for for scoring. Right. Yeah, it makes it, he, it, he like it, it makes him uncomfortable. It legitimately makes him feel uncomfortable. Yeah, because like, I, I remember about yeah that I remember reading uh, a story about how how uh, a Nuggets trainer Ogan, and I think his name was mm-hmm. like literally the guy he named his daughter after convinced him that he he could be an MVP and Jokic he reacted to that so poorly he freaked out like I'm 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 not one of those scoring type players I'm not right. I'm not a selfish player like but then you know he put in the work and he got it because he was so valuable valuable because right. yeah. he's a savant he's a pastor he's a, he's a distributor like he's like that's the kind of person he is yeah. he he didn't want to be MVP because he didn't want to be selfish yeah and I I still point whenever I personally just kind of reflect on like how where the Nuggets were in 20 you know 16 2017 to where they were now it's like that I still remember the big big transformation was like after the pandemic or like when the pandemic was coming out right before the bubble when uh skinny Jokic pictures were coming out right but that was like one of the that's like the most to me probably the biggest transformational part of Jokic's like NBA career right. is realizing like, yo, I can't be what I need to be at 300 pounds. So I need to really take like my, my health and my diet um, seriously. And also his endurance. Cause even though he got skinnier, I think it was like 2018, 2019 ish. It was the series it was a year I think we beat. I want to say that was the year that we lost to the Trailblazers in seven. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was. Yeah, and that that game seven was like the most pathetic game seven ever. I just remember, I like the score was still close, but I remember just feeling so pissed off because we should have won that game. Mm-hmm. And I think both Jamal and Jokic got tired, and I think they just started like putting up shots, and they just weren't falling. Um, so I think it between taking his health seriously and then taking like his endurance and stuff seriously was like the ultimately what, you know, was the biggest driving the propulsion to his arc of like being as dominant as he is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then as, you know, consistent as he's, I mean, the guys played like, what was it? Like 40, it was 40 some odd minutes in the clincher against Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was game three or four of Miami and they came back and I think uh, Jamal had a pretty subpar game, but Jokic was just his normal, right. normal self. So, I mean, to be that big and to be relied upon, to be that consistent game over game 
um, but not get tired is something that I think is like severely slept on when you're just kind of like, you know, all encompassing what, what an athlete has to go through. Cause it's just like, that's what we expect. It's yeah. like, you know, you're, you're a video game player. You're not supposed to get tired. Go put these video game numbers in night overnight so we can enjoy it. Yeah. Just as these automatons for our enjoyment, right? Yeah. Just the, these, these, these puppets, but uh, you know, these guys are human. They, he break, they break mentally and physically. And that, and we had a player like that, uh, who's been like that the past couple of years in Jamal Murray, who's finally came back healthy, who finally came back, you know, after a big ACL tear that knocked him out for two years, took two years off of his career. And it really affected him mentally. The guy who meditates before every game, the guy who practices mindfulness, who's done actual like Kung Fu, (laughs) uh, Bruce Lee training uh, in his childhood for just for basketball. Like that actually like nearly pushed him to the brink, yeah. thinking he was going to get traded, thinking thinking he was broken goods. Yeah, yeah, and we we've all heard the stories, and I think like just from a mental, you know, just from a human standpoint, from like a mental, you know, like overcoming all odds, who like who doesn't you know gravitate towards that story, you know? Right. Um, and I think the stat is he was eight points better on average from in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. Which I think is the like literally the largest yeah. jump of all time. The biggest clarifier ever. The craziest thing is <laughs> just watching Jamal. There's like, and this this really started in the bubble, but there would be five or six shots a game where I would just like vocally out loud say to myself like, "Oh my god, Jamal! Like he has no business making these plays, but he just like it's just easy." And it's like that patented right. in like that patent. He dribbles, you know, towards towards the paint and then just like full stops and then does that fadeaway. Right. Um fadeaway jumper. And it's like that is that's such a hard shot to make, but for him it's like automatic. Yeah, and, and it, that's like his that's like his dirk move almost where it's just like yeah. no defender can stop it, but he's going almost like 100% full speed stopping and just kind of like taking that step into the paint to like draw his defender in. And then, like, steps back out, fades off his back foot, and it's, like, money every time. And when he misses it, you're like, that's kind of weird. Like, that was an anomaly, but that's, like, an incredibly hard shot to make. Yeah, and just how—and that just speaks to how how badly that ACL tear affected him because there's no way he could do that on on a damaged knee. That's why he needed that that time. And I I loved how he really matured over the course of this uh, this postseason run. He he didn't go just from a big volume scorer. He's not just the— scoring guy who's second to, to Jokic. He's not the guy who just gets pat, the ball handed off to him. He can actually distribute. He actually got got into the into the paint and rebounded. Yeah, like he, he like this is really his his coming of age. Yeah, for sure. I think um I would say pro- if I had to guess probably on average for his career, he's averaging like what, five assists a game? You know? Yeah. Six ish. maybe, but like probably like what, five to five point six something around there. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure for the finals, he averaged 10 assists a game. Yeah. Um, he, 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 he's he, averaging like a double-double for the finals. Yeah, he, he was the assist leader in the in that final series. Yeah, that's not to mention. Not Jokic. And that's, yeah, and that's not to mention, you know, Gordon was up and down. MPJ mm-hmm. was pretty bad throughout the entire, at least from a scoring standpoint. Yeah. Um, so it's like the, the, the assist numbers could have been a lot more inflated for both Jokic and Murray, but... Uh, 
Yeah, for sure. Because again, we just saw Murray is like, all right, you're what a twenty five and five guy. Yeah, like, pretty much. That's great. Like that's good. You know, yeah. Like that we'll take that, but that's not enough to get us to a championship, especially if you're going to be our second best player. That's right. just like a guy who gets twenty five and five is not is not a guy who can be again the second best player on a championship team unless. Jokic is just going for like 35, 15, and 13 a game, which yeah. he damn near did. But um, Yeah, and but even then, Jokic going for the, that stat line is not conducive to the Nuggets winning, right? Like right. whenever Jokic gets above 40, you know the Nuggets are in a really bad spot. Yeah, it was 0-3, I think, for this playoff run, which is insane. Yeah. But uh, that's just kind of, again, the it's just kind of like in a weird way an all-encompassing stat of like why Jokic is just so much more to the Nuggets yeah. As, again, I've heard, um, I think it's Matt Smith that says it, or it's Zach, one of the two. But I love the analogy. It's like, Jokic is the sun to the entire solar system. Like, all yeah. the planets just revolve around him. And as he goes, everyone else goes. I think that's a perfect analogy. Um, and I don't think, outside of, I could say, you can make an argument, not even LeBron has been that impactful. To right. The other four guys on the court. It's crazy to watch, man. And especially like in a in a scenario in the playoffs where everything is just so much more amplified. Right. And this dude is just like as cool and calm as collected as like a a viewer, you're calm and collected when usually right. in Nuggets games, you know, especially in the playoffs, um, you know, you you long suffering Nuggets fans, your heart's beating, you're just waiting for that one play to screw you over, you know, and to go down you have it. It's like you had the seven point lead as a Nuggets fan. All of a sudden, three minutes later, you're down twelve. You're right? Just like what the hell just happened? Yeah. You know? Whereas opposed to now, it's like the Nuggets may be down seven. Now they have a twelve point, you know, twelve point, uh, twelve point lead in like four or five minutes. So it's been like kind of a reversal of um, a fortune for you know you long term Nuggets fans. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Like Jokic, like Jokic and the Nuggets' entire offense. It's it is very anti NBA. Like yeah. with with Jokic, it's the offense just completely slows down. You see every all ten players on the on the uh, wood just collapse in on him and just revolve around him. Mm-hmm. Like he's just he, he, whenever he's on the court, he's the center of the universe. They're actually and, running plays. Yeah, they're actually running plays instead of full ISO. Like it, it, just watching this entire playoff playoff run, all the playoffs, it 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 was striking just how. Boring. Yeah. The rest of the NBA offenses yeah, the are with Celtics like, especially, yeah, man. like especially in that game seven. And I know that's like a at the far end of the spectrum. Yeah, but even when I think it was like game one and two of the Suns. No, we lost game two against the Suns, didn't we? No, we lost uh, three and four. Okay. Um. Then yeah, it was one and two of the Suns. God, it it was it was the same thing with the Celtics. It'd be like. Jalen Brown, you get a turn. All right, Jason yep. Tatum, it's your turn. All right, Devin Booker, go up and do ISO. All right, Kevin Durant, it's your turn. It was just like, it was again, it was just like, okay, this superstar is going to take it to the corner, do an ISO, and, you know, at worst we'll get a contested jumper from like 18 feet. Right. It's just like that is just, it, 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 it did open, like it was, it was something almost in the back of my mind that like I knew why I didn't like the NBA, but I didn't know why. Kind of thing. Right. Like I didn't watch enough and I wasn't fully enveloped in the NBA enough to be like, oh, this is just horrible trash ISO ball. 
Yeah. Because it was just like something we kind of grew used to. Um, but then watching the Nuggets so in depth the last couple of seasons and then um and it was much harder when Jamal was out because the Pete like the the Nuggets offense hasn't really changed. Yeah. It's just that we had actually like bent we had bench players the last couple of years trying to fulfill the role of starters and that's just not gonna happen. Like you're expecting Faku Compazzo to play 35 minutes and attribute, you know, 15 points. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, you're, you're expecting Austin Rivers to play the level of yeah, Murray exactly. consistently every night. Yeah, like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, and just watching this Nuggets offense, do you believe that Jokic will change the game? Like, do you believe that the, the Nuggets has. will already change? I think he's already resurrected the big man position, and then I think he's already... Kind of like we were talking about, you know, when I think it was Colin Coward that said, like, he's going to be the Steph Curry for centers. He's going to get centers paid, and I think he's already cha- – I mean, like, what other center can you ever think of in the history of the NBA can grab a board, push the pace up on a fast break, and get and pass a dime? I don't think there's a single one. I don't even know if you can come up with, like, a small forward outside of LeBron. Yeah. That can, like, do that. The way that he does. Yeah, honestly. Even LeBron. Yeah, I mean, the, the only other player um, I can think of outside of those two is is Magic, like, yeah, who can do that. But in Magic was he was a he like, was a guard. He was like yeah, but he was like six. Wasn't Magic like six four, six six? Actually, he might have even been taller than that. Magic was pretty tall. Yeah, Magic was huge. Guard, yeah. Yeah, he, he was he was just barely shorter than Larry Bird, if memory serves. Yeah, so he was a point guard by title, but in reality, he was more of like a. Small forward. Yeah, 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 he was six foot nine. Yeah, see, so that's like a that's like a small, small forward in today's game. Yeah, so that's it's super impressive what Magic can. Um, that's just a testament to his skill. But I think he's already changed the game. I think for Jokic, and I know he probably doesn't care, but it may. I don't. That might be the one thing he does care about is like his lasting like imprint on the game. As like you know, it's not about the accolades, but it's like. What did he do to the sport of basketball, and how did he positively like affect it? Kinda right, like LeBron did. You yeah, know? Um, I think that might matter to Jokic. I don't know if it's like fully in picture yet. Maybe that's just something that, as you get older in your career, kind of comes more into focus. But I think that's something that, if he doesn't already, that's going to be like probably the biggest thing he cares about outside of winning, of course. A big legacy, yeah, <laughs> a great legacy left behind. I, I think that's a good way place to stop. Yeah, uh, man. yeah. That was a, that was a fun episode, yeah. man. It's always easy talking about teams after you uh, after a parade. So it was. I know I did an episode. I think yeah. it was with Kevin uh, last year during the uh, Avalanche parade. So it's always easy <laughs> when your team's dominant. But uh, yeah, oh. it's been a fun two years, man. Yeah, it's been it's been a great two years. Did you go to the parade? I didn't. I was working. Oh, that yeah, sucks. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's it's you know it's just part of what comes with with the job. But it was funny. I was talking to a buddy um, who's going to the parade. He's like, "You gonna go?" It's like, "No, dude. I gotta I gotta work." You know, it's just what it is. And it's just like uh, I love these parades, man. But I also kind of hate them because I'm stuck at the station by myself during these <laughs> during these championship parades. But no, it's um it's all good. I I enjoy doing it. Unfortunately, I'm not like at location or anything with the guys, but yeah, I mean that's just kind of what you sign up for when, uh, especially when you're working like morning shows in this industry. But you know, I will take like the what is it, the six to eight weeks of just pure pandemonium and fun 
and being able to, you know, talk with the hosts both behind the scenes um, and just come up with different content, then I'll take that every day of the week if that means uh, I just have to stay in the, you know, in the uh, behind the booth for one day. So, absolutely, absolutely. Let's hope for another one next year. Yeah, man. Let's do it again. All right. Thanks for thanks for joining us, guys. Peace.